Hi, I'm Arnav Rostogi, and this is Satvik Trinivas. And together, we are co-hosts of the Backfield Rift. Thank you for tuning in. And Satvik, I mean, the floor is yours, man. How are you feeling after the Super Bowl? Because it was, it was, it was a, it was one of the greatest Super Bowls I've watched. But it was a tough finish, and I know you're dealing with that Super Bowl depression now. Yeah, I know that. <laughs> A week after the game was tough, you know, it got a little better afterwards, but I've got to say, man, the, the big thing, right, what I was confident about going in was that defense, our defense making a play for us, you know, in this game. Yeah. And we went the whole game and there was not a single big play made on defense. And that's just what disappoints me because, you know, I was comparing it to that Brandon Graham sack and all that. I was like expecting it at the end of the game. The defense mm-hmm. is going to make a play. They're going to make a play. And that play just never came. And it's especially just very uh, challenging when, you know, Jalen Hurts plays so well, the offense plays so well, and all we needed was just one stop, and we couldn't get it. Do you have any thoughts on the holding call? Well, I mean, all I can say is that, you know, one play is not going to decide the game, right? If we make plays before that, who knows? At the end of the day, was it holding? Did he grab him? He did. Even James Bradbury um, accepted that. You know, I, I know it wasn't P.I. If it was P.I., you could make the call that the ball was uncatchable, right? Because you were watching that. And, like, even if he doesn't grab him, like, is he really going to catch that ball? Like, I, I don't yeah, think he is. Exactly, but, exactly. But at the end of the day, it's one of those things where if that call wasn't made, no one's going to talk about it, but it was made. So it is what it is, you know? Yeah. I, I guess my two cents on that are throughout the game, they weren't calling those tic-tac penalties. Mm-hmm. And if if they were, then James Bradbury would have gotten holding, like, two plays earlier or a few plays earlier and there would have been offensive holdings as well throughout the game but they chose like the last two minutes to call that specific penalty so based on the way the refs were calling it i don't think it should have been called at the end of the day the refs are gonna make that call they should make that call because it technically is a penalty it it just happens. It just happens sometimes. So I hate right. to see it when the refs decide. I, w- I don't want to say decide a game, but make that critical of a call right. at that time. Yeah, and, you know, moving away from the call, right, it seems like it's kind of hard to watch, right, as an Eagles fan is because Mahomes is limping all game, and how in that moment are you going to let this man get a 40-yard run up the middle on you, right? Like, yeah. how, how are we going to let that happen? Like, as, like, a top three defense in the NFL in the Super Bowl, I know he's great, man, but he should not be doing that. And and I know everyone watching that goes, you know, oh, the, the field is slippery, you know, it's Patrick Mahomes, but come on, man, we're 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 top three NFL defense, it just can't happen. And yeah. So many times where we wished like it it was not good in the red zone, it was it was pathetic, man. Three touchdowns wide open, right? And yeah. Is it is it coaching? I don't know, it's Jonathan Gannon. I know he's taking a lot of heat for that, but yeah. Andy Reid got him good. I guess we could say that. And on that one play that that's come to mind, I think, I think it was MVS. I could be mistaken actually on the Jet. And it, it's it reminded me a lot. You know, I was actually watching like a breakdown. But anyways, going back to I don't know if you remember this in like twenty twenty. I want to say the, the the Packers and Rams playoff game. Do you remember that the divisional round mm-hmm. yeah. where where. Um, Devontae Adams scored on literally the same play, and, and Jalen Ramsey got like expo- exposed so hard, right? Yeah. It was like literally the same play, and I'm just like, yeah. <sighs> it's just. So I think like little things, man. I just, mm-hmm. I, we weren't good enough on defense. We just weren't. I, I, I think 
the Phillies defense got out coached by Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy. I think that's a fair. I think that's fair, fair assessment. To say. That is fair yeah. assessment. Yep. And speaking of coaching, topic of this episode: new coaching hires. Uh, and let's let's run down some of these new coaches, starting with Jonathan Gannon, who the Eagles left in Arizona to become the new head coach of the Cardinals. What are your thoughts on this hire, especially you as an Eagles fan, seeing Jonathan Gannon's scheme and that defense being top five all year? Right. What are your thoughts? Yeah, first of all, you know, congratulations to him for this opportunity. And I think it's very important to remember as fans, not just as Eagles fans, but anyone in the league looking at this, right? You can't dictate a single pl- uh, person's like career based on one game, right? Because what it, the body of work he had this season was phenomenal, and I think what is interesting to me is you. We we all were kind of hearing the buzz about, you know, Kyler Murray needs a, you know, this offensive mind to bring the best out of him, but the Cardinals chose to go with the defensive coordinator route, which for me was very interesting, and maybe in some capacities it could work out in the sense of. You know, Jonathan Gannon is going to take care of the defense. Kyler Murray, you just got to sit down with the offensive coordinator, let those guys go to work. But did, did you find it interesting that they chose to go with a defensive head coach with, you know, Kyler Murray as the face of this franchise? I was convinced that Sean Payton was going to be the head coach of the Cardinals for the longest time, just because the Cardinals are going to go as far as Kyler takes them. And Kyler's development is only going to be spurred by an offensive genius, an offensive mind like Sean Payton. But they went in the defensive direction with Jonathan Gannon as their head coach and hired Drew Petzing as their offensive coordinator. It's just going to be, it's going to be interesting to see uh, how that dynamic plays out. You know, he Drew Petzing worked with uh, the Vikings as a wide receiver coach, and he was with Kevin Stefanski as well on that coaching staff, two blossoming offenses in the league. But uh, not too optimistic in Arizona right now, in my opinion, just because the coaching does not reflect where the team is right now. And it's a concern to me. Mm. Well, I think I will offer like another perspective on it, you know, because there's, they kind of talked about this idea of the Cardinals will go as far as Kyler Murray takes them. Right. And in the past couple of years, it hasn't been as far as, you know, people expected or, you know, you would want if you were a Cardinals fan, but I think maybe in, in, you know, wake of recent events, like certainly like with, the Eagles, Jalen Hurts, the offense was tremendous. But just having that defensive side taken care of does reveal, or not reveal, but relieve a lot of pressure on the quarterback, right? Maybe you stray away from this Kyler Murray having to take you to the, you know, take you to success. And just maybe the defensive side is just taken care of and maybe that relieves some pressure. I don't know, something to think about there. That may be true, but when I look at two cases in, in this league of young quarterbacks that have really emerged right you look at trevor lawrence doug peterson offensive mind even with uh jalen hurts nick sirianni offensive mind i can go back to joe burrow zach taylor offensive mind i feel like a good offensive mind and only help a young quarterback and his development and i don't know i feel like i was expecting an offensive mind to come in and help kyler and that's just cardinals threw me off a bit right I guess if you want to add to that, like, I guess I'm, I'm going along with the uh, anti-Jonathan Gannon hire here, but we've seen that um, Justin Herbert hasn't been working out, you know, with the defensive. Well, okay, not to say that Justin Herbert hasn't been working out, but the Chargers haven't been winning as many games as you would like them to be, right? Defensive head coach. So uh, maybe there's something there. And I, I guess uh, 
you know, when all these offensive head coaches were being hired, the, the, the whole, the narrative of the defensive head coach might become like, you know, something of the past. There is that mm. kind of direction, but the Cardinals are trying to hold on to that. Another defensive mind that got hired, right? D'Amico Ryan's one of the finest defensive minds in the NFL to the Texans. And first of all, you got to feel bad for Lovey Smith, right? I think he did about as well as any job somebody could have done with this Texans squad. But, you know, it is what it is. The NFL is a business. You got to move on. But D'Amico Ryan's now, it's it's really interesting. Um, If you're D'Amico Ryan's, do you think there's anything about this Texans job that makes it appealing? Or is it more kind of just an opportunity that you can't, like, choose to decline? I mean, I mean, the guy, the guy played for the Texans as a linebacker for six years. So I'm sure he, he wanted to go there. He felt like that was a match made in heaven, but really from the Texans perspective, this D'Amico Ryan's hire is perfect. In my opinion, mm-hmm. this is one of the organizations where it's not even about, you know, Oh, I need to target this quarterback and help him develop or none of that. But the Texans, they need stability at every level of this team. They need a coach that the players will buy into, a player's coach. And I think D'Amico Hines was the perfect hire. Not only did he play in Houston and did he love playing in Houston, but D'Amico Ryans is really one of those symbols of stability where you know the players will buy into him and he will buy into the players and everyone will be on the same page. And I think even before you start adding talent to a team, the players, the coaches, and the front office, they all have to be on the same page. And I think D'Amico Ryans is the start of that. Yeah, no, definitely that the pedigree of having been there before in the past helps. And I think overall, just right, a lot of times with teams and turnover, right, like not turnover as in turning the ball over, but like turning the team, to the team around, you, you just need a culture change, right? And I know the Texans haven't been winning many football games, and, it's, and, it's, and it was close, right? Like even against the Eagles this past year, the Texans did not go down easy, right? They gave the Eagles – a Super Bowl team, a fight. So it's it's not necessarily a lack of, you know, guys not putting the effort in. Like, they're fighting, but you just need to make some small tweaks. Mm-hmm. And I guess the quarterback position is always something you got to figure out. But yeah, I think one more thing I do want to add, and this might be a very, very underrated hire. Okay. Bobby Slowick. Tamiko uh, Ryan's hired him as the offensive coordinator and – he has one of those resumes. Once you dig in, he's not a name that everyone knows, but once you dig in, you're like, Bobby Slovic was on the same coaching staff uh, on the Commanders, or they're called something else a few years ago, but he was on the same coaching staff with Sean McVay and everyone with Mike Shanahan, and he has experience with them, and then he went to the 49ers, right? And he's with Kyle Shanahan, and he was with Mike LaFleur, and he took over as the pass game specialist after – Mike LaFleur left he has quite the resume and he is from he is from the p-town as well so, so sounds like we got a little like uh, the, the hidden piece of the puzzle right here yeah I mean <laughs> that hey listen with with who he has worked with and the success we've seen out of those coaching staffs hey I'm just saying I'd be excited if I'm a quarterback coming to Houston it's gonna be interesting that's actually something I was not aware of so I gotta have to go do a little bit of research there myself but um, speaking of players coming back to play for their old teams, Frank Reich, 
He was the first quarterback for the Carolina Panthers when the organization was founded, and now he finds himself as the head coach. What are your thoughts? Yeah, first of all, I'm, I'm very happy that he got another landing spot, you know, because he's definitely – I don't want to say the Colts blowing up was his fault, right? There's a lot, a lot of stuff there, but I think he's a great offensive mind, going back to the Eagles, the offensive coordinator for us in that Super Bowl year. But – when think about like Matt Rule, the Panthers, right? What was not working? There was just we were we were expecting that foundation to be built, and just seeing that progress, it was not there. And I, I know that's like a generic thing to say because yeah, sure, there's no progress, you get fired. But I just we just need something interesting out of Frank Reich, man. Like something to change what's happening in the Carolina because it just feels like they're gonna be okay. They'll win like six to eight games, but. It's been a long time since Carolina was a team that anybody in the NFL was worried about playing, and I think that's got to change with this hire. Yeah. I'll say this about Matt Rule. He came over straight from college, and while that transition is difficult and he did weather it, it's very rare you have a coach come out of college, transform an organization, and help them take that next step Mm. to go from a mediocre uh, I don't know, like six and 11 team, a uh, seven and 10 team to having a winning record and making the play. It's very hard to put on a first year head coach or a first time head coach, I should say, coming out of college. And the perfect way to come back from that is a guy like Frank Reich. Not only does he add stability, but the offensive prowess that he brings and the expertise that he brings, he's going to be able to work with a young quarterback who I do expect the Carolina Panthers to draft. And he helped give the organization some direction. Frank Reich has been there, done that type of coach. And that's what the Panthers needed. They don't need someone who's straight out of college and a first time head coach. They need someone who's experienced, who can help settle everything and help develop these players. And I think Frank Reich fits the bill. And this is, I think I think most of these head coaching hires outside of Jonathan Gannon, I really love. I really do love. Yeah, no. Uh, as I said, right, as an Eagles fan, I've got nothing but great respect and admiration for what Frank Reich is capable of. the The collapse with, you know, the Colts was very unfortunate, but I still I still don't one hundred percent believe that it was Frank Reich's fault per se. So, I guess we'll have to see what he's able to do in Carolina and. Like I said with the Texans, you solve the quarterback problem. Like that's 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 half of your troubles gone right there. So yeah. Um, speaking of the Eagles and the Colts, the Eagles uh, offensive coordinator to Colts head coach pipeline stays strong. <laughs> the Colts hiring Shane Steichen as their new head coach, and I guess I'll let you take the floor because I mean you have seen a lot of these co- three of these coaches that have been hired. You've seen them as an Eagles fan. So I'll let you take the floor. What do you think of Shane Steichen as he helped develop Jalen Hurts? And now he's in Indy probably going to be developing another quarterback. Yeah. I mean, I think if we've seen like anything we've seen this off season or this season, there's any indication Shane Steichen knows what he's doing, right? Working with Jalen Hurts, tremendous progress. And he was the play caller for the Eagles, right? Before that it was Nick Sirianni, but this year Steichen took over and we saw what was able to happen in that transformation, right? I think he's an A-plus play caller. He knows what he's doing. He's putting Jalen Hurts in tremendous positions to succeed. And I guess the only thing that you ask yourself is how much of a change is that going to be for him going from play caller, offensive coordinator, to head coach? Because with that comes 
more responsibilities. You got to see over the entire team. You know, you're talking about drafting players, this and that. But if we're just talking X's and O's football, he's phenomenal. Yeah. A plus. Yeah. I think the Colts probably, I think they took the longest out of any team to hire the, their coach. They did a right. lot of due diligence. So I'm I'm expecting that they made the right call here. One of the things that I did like, and, and I know you can allude to this, is that the what the big thing that really changed with the Eagles is they really committed to the run this year. Mm. They really did. And I think that's going to be really exciting in Indy, especially right. if you're on quarterback coming in, because you have Jonathan Taylor right behind you. And you know Steichen is going to believe in a running back like Jonathan Taylor and make it easier on a young quarterback. And that is one of the really underrated parts that I like is that he's going to make it very easy on a young quarterback as he comes into the league, especially with the decent bit of offensive talent that they have in Indy. Um, so really excited to see how Shane Steichen plays out. I'm sure that he's ready for those extra responsibilities and hopefully it pans out there. Yeah. Um, I think also, you know, if some people might have to do some digging into what's going on here with the Eagles and Colts, a lot of tr- moves happening, maybe a little collusion. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, all right. And the Marky head coach hiring or trade, I should say. Sean Payton going to the Broncos. He got traded for a first-round pick and a few other picks. Brought along Joe Lombardi and Vance Joseph as the offensive and defensive head coordinators. Thotvik, do you think this is going to solve Russell Wilson's problems? All right. I think the first thing that we kind of have to talk about, what 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 are Russell Wilson's problems, right? There are a lot of problems from this past season. But the main thing is not winning games, right? Winning solves everything, right? And I'm not even like a huge stats person. So like, I kind of hate that I'm bringing it up now just to make this point. But like, I think if you ask anybody on planet Earth, right, you compare Russell Wilson and Daniel Jones' season, you would think that Daniel Jones had like a 10 times better season. But that's purely just because he was winning football games. If you pull up the stats, like Russell Wilson was, if you just look at the stat sheet, like he was doing a lot better. Like Daniel Jones was not even throwing the ball, right? So Again, that's like a very general statement. I'm not the point of that was not to clown on Daniel Jones. It's just trying to say that if Russell Wilson won more games, people would not have this negative outlook on how the season went. But at the end of the day, he didn't. So that is the main issue. So how are you going to solve Russell Wilson's problems? You got to win football games, and that doesn't matter if if that means that Russell Wilson only throws the ball like 20 to 22 times a game. That is good because that's what you need to do if you want to win. Because if Russell Wilson's running around throwing it like 30 times. Maybe with the Seahawks that was working, but we've seen a decline in that kind of, you know, approach to football in the league. And I think Sean Payton just kind of have to come in and just reinforce two things. The first thing is that Russell Wilson is still the face of this franchise. And whether or not the people in that locker room, believe it or not, the people in the front office better believe it because they spent so much on this dude. So, <laughs> that, Like just to get Russell Wilson and Sean Payton, I mean, the hall is ridiculous, right. just ridiculous. So if there's any doubts, Sean Payton, you got to make it clear that Russell Wilson is the man, right? Yeah. And the second part of that is put winning above all else, right? Like Russell Wilson does not need 30 touchdowns. That's not that's not what's going to solve his problems. Winning is going to solve his problems. So, yeah. and because in terms of like compensation, how are you feeling, right, Saints fan, with that trade? Honestly, I can't say that it's bad. It, it's like, that's what you're going to get for a head coach. I feel like 
for me personally and a lot of other Saints fans, we were convinced that he was going to Arizona and we had a shot at that uh, fourth overall pick or the fifth overall pick, whichever the Cardinals are picking. So, I mean, to hear that we're getting the 29th overall pick in the draft, it was a bit disappointing, but that is a fair haul. You know, you got a first round pick for a coach who probably didn't want to coach back there, especially with, you know, you can't, you can't just demote a guy on your coaching cap who got hired to be the head coach. And he just didn't want to be in New Orleans. So even getting a first round pick from a guy who'd been out of the league for a year, that's massive. And that too, to trade him to the AFC, not the NFC. Mm. So that was big. I'll say this about Sean Payton in Denver. When you look at when Drew Brees came into New Orleans uh, in the uh, late 2000s, what made it really successful is the fact that Sean Payton starts from zero. He starts from zero and he asks quarterback to just make basic reads. He starts with these basic plays and says, you know, just make the basic read, make that first option and throw that pass, right? Or go to the second option, throw that pass. And he starts building from there. Then it gets a little more complicated. Then you have, you know, double fake screen and then you're throwing the slant. It's just more, it builds and builds and builds. And that's why the Saints offense was so good because Sean Payton starts with the little things first. He starts with the basic plays. And he builds on those plays to make them more complicated. And that's how you get a lethal offense. And that's what Russell Wilson needs. Mm. That's what he needs. If like for the longest time, Russell Wilson just simply wasn't making those simple reads, right? He was in an offense with Nathaniel Hackett where Hackett was just throwing plays at him and receivers would be open. But I feel like there was some sort of mental breakdown in Russell Wilson where he wasn't able to find those simple options. And I think Sean Payton is going to simplify the offense for him like he did with Drew Brees when he came into New Orleans and then build it up and make it more complicated and make it so that we see the Russell Wilson that was in Seattle. This is probably my favorite coaching hire and probably the best case scenario for the Broncos. But, you know, let's see how it pans out because there's not a lot of things that are supporting me, especially with the poor performance of Russell Wilson. So. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, the potential is definitely there, but we'll have to see. I mean, I guess if Sean Payton can't fix it, then I can't. I don't know what exactly. to say. Exactly. Like, yeah. once again, we've been burned so many times. Like, on paper, great coaching hire with the with a Hall of Fame pro- quarterback probably. So, Because even, but... even Nathaniel Hackett, you're thinking, right, years of experience with Aaron Rodgers. Like, what yeah. could possibly go wrong? <laughs> then, yeah, you can't you can't just come in. Like, that's the problem yeah. with Russell Wilson was it was too complicated, in my opinion. That's why he wasn't able to, you know, oh, he's open. Like, but that's not what going through Russell Wilson's mind. It's something a little more complicated. So let's hopefully Sean Payne's able to simplify the offense for him. Yeah, and before we end, right, the combine was this week. Did anything stand out to you, Arnoff? We have to talk about the one dude who stole the show at the combine, and that was Anthony Richardson. He graded out as a 100% athlete um, running faster than Cam Newton, being as tall as George Kittle, and weighing in somewhere in between Ben Roethlisberger and Cam Newton. Not only did he do that, that, that's that's just his measurements. He set the record for vertical and broad jump as a quarterback. He's a freak athlete. And I think before anyone, I think he is going to be rising up the draft board Trayvon Walker style. Don't be shocked if he's the number one pick. Do not. Do not be shocked if someone trades up and says, Anthony Richardson, I want him. Because out of all the quarterbacks in this year's draft, while he does have the lowest floor, he has the highest ceiling. 
if there's anyone in this draft class who can potentially be a future top five quarterback, it's Anthony Richardson because he just that's just that's just the physical tool set and the physical skill set that he has. That's what it is. So Anthony Richardson was one of the guys that that really stole the show, and I, I just wanted to give him a shout out because it was an incredible performance by that quarterback. Yeah, no, definitely, and I think well that would be something, right? Someone trade up first, of course, overall pick. I mean, yeah, I guess in this case, someone would have to trade up, but I, I just, I really just do compare it to last year where we, we were all convinced that it was either Aiden Hutchinson or Kayvon Thibodeau going first overall, just like we have this year, you know, CJ Stroud, Bryce Young, and we had Trayvon Walker, who was this athletic freak, like graded out so nicely, even though he didn't have the production, but his physical toolkit was so special that a team just took a chance on him. And I, I, that's, that's the Anthony Richardson that I'm seeing. I'm seeing this Trayvon Walker and Anthony Richardson comparison in the draft. So I'm just saying this is a name to keep an eye out, especially because that's just as one of the most incredible combine performances I've seen. Yeah, um, we'll see. I mean, maybe Justin Fields. Uh, that, I, that's absurd to me. Do you think? Do you think they'll trade Justin Fields? I don't know. There's no way. There is no way in how they do that. But. <laughs> Crazy has happened in the NFL, so I'm not I'm not going to rely on anything. Yeah, we'll see. But with that being said, thank you for listening to the 102nd episode of the Backfield Rift. Be sure to tune in to our next episode, where we'll look ahead to the NFL free agency and potential trades and signings to come up. Until then, it's been Sabah Trinavas and Arnav Stogie. Stay safe and take care. <laughs>